the devil are you and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 15 and this episode we're going very very far away from my homeland uh, into the wilderland well not quite uh, north of the border uh, to misquote uh, Ed Sheeran's new song uh, we're going north of the border with me rather than south of the border with me uh, if you're uh, an Ed Sheeran fan who and of course who isn't and let's be honest it's all about Ed Sheeran with that song in the Hobbit movies about the fire and all that stuff anyway uh, up to Scotland that's where we're going uh, for this episode Scaring of Stirling, and this is a big one actually. This is um, a is the biggest uh, tournament in Scotland, um, regularly getting lots and lots of players. I think it's pushing a hundred at the moment, which is cracking stuff. Um, and I'm going up on a minibus of dreams uh, with uh, a lot of a lot of good guys from the Yorkshire area. Um, and a shout out to Will Champion, whose birthday it is. Um, on uh, we're going to go and celebrate uh, on York- in Yorkshire, have a few bevies, get on a minibus. Jason Hounslow, an absolute star. For for driving us all the way up from Yorkshire late in the night, uh, getting on a minibus and going to Stirling to play Toy Soldiers. So very excited about all of that. Uh, it's amazing. I just want to, before we move on to that, it's amazing the uh, the relationships you make and the friends you meet um, because of Toy Soldiers. I mean, literally, I can't say I've spent more than pff, maybe, I don't know, a couple of days in you know consecutive hours worth of time with some of these people and um, you know uh, I, but I you know even though I've talked to a few of them on the podcast and and I've you know you, you casually meet each other and then you maybe have a few drinks one night and then uh, the next time you're at a tournament you might have a few more drinks and then suddenly you're like going up on a minibus uh, sleeping over in people's uh, uh, the floor of people's uh, Airbnbs and suddenly you're thinking oh you know what these are my friends so this is awesome and this is all because of toy soldiers and because of uh, the Lord of the Rings and um, Battle, strategy battle game or uh, middle earth strategy battle game so big shout out to the friends you make uh, in the community whether it's online or in in person at tournaments that is what i love so much about this hobby and what i love so much about going to tournaments because you meet these people over and over again and you see them over and over again and you wouldn't cross paths uh, at all in the normal walker normal life uh, so it's it's cracking it's cracking stuff anyway um uh, after a bit of a ramble about all that sort of stuff it's on to sterling and more specifically on to the battle of sterling shire or is it scouring I, you know what i never even know the names of these tournaments anymore i really should prepare myself uh, i'll pause I was right. It is the scouring of Stirlingshire, um, and it's funny. There are lots of lots of tournaments called scouring of Stirlingshire. Uh, I think I don't know whether the st- scouring was the first one, but either way, uh, it's certainly one of the best and the biggest in Scotland. So, um, it's an eight hundred point tournament, um, and there's good and evil. Uh, so it's good versus evil, and it's uh, cleverly weighted so that because there's enough players in the tournament, um, they're going to always you're always going to be playing evil, uh, and you're always going to be playing if you're good and you're always going to be playing good if you're evil which is fab uh, it does skew the sort of rankings a little bit I suppose so not always the top players playing uh, good versus evil if uh, or against the top players I should say if um, if things go slightly odd with the randomness but either way uh, it's going to be good 800 points um, it's also worth noting this is a 100 point event um, in the Great British Hobbit League. So this is the top tier event. This is expected to gather some of the, you know, the the uh, the, the more competitive folk. And also, um, it is uh, it is one of the uh, the Scottish SBG system open. So uh, it's a, it's basically the winner 
takes part of the Articon International Masters. Uh, so it's kind of a big deal uh, to be part of the championship. So uh, representing Scotland or uh, perhaps just claiming a Scottish ticket uh, if you're one of the English folk going, and I believe a few people are coming from uh, across Europe and some uh, some people from the Netherlands, I think, and uh, Polish chaps as well. So so yes, yeah, uh, so it's a big deal, 100 points uh, for the league and also for the Masters. So let's be expecting some competitive stuff. And with that in mind, I have tried sort of, in the best way that I can, to come up with something a little bit more uh, tough than perhaps I usually do. Um, So with that in mind, let's find out my lists. Well, with that jingle, it's only right to start with evil, isn't it? And literally this time, I am building an army worthy of Mordor, or at least trying to build an army worthy of Mordor. Now, uh, you'll know if you're a regular listener to the podcast that I have a little space in my heart for a little character called Sauron. Uh, Not so little character, I suppose. Um, And the reason I'm going with Sauron once more is A, I've got him painted. And I've got all the a lot of the other stuff painted for this army. Uh, I had it all done in advance, so that was one of the main reasons. But also, there wasn't a lot of time between this event and the uh, the previous event that I've been to, so I've just not had a lot of time to paint anything really, really new, other than my good army, which I'll go into in a minute, or some of my good army anyway. So uh, my evil army is as follows: Sauron, four hundred points, and um, four Morgul knights. So these are the uh, the Black Numenoreans are on horses with lances, excellent stuff. Then we've got seven orcs with spears, seven orcs with shields, three warg riders, one tracker on a warg, one orc with banner and shield, one catapult. And that's it. That is it. So that's exactly 800 points. So let me just uh, take you through some of the bits and bobs in this list and how I thought it might work. Um... We'll see. We'll see whether it whether it works. But anyway, um, Sauron, obviously, he kind of speaks for himself. He's big. He's nasty. He's hard to kill. He's got all the magic and he's got free will and he's just got ultra, ultra power. So he's just he's just a monster. We know that. Um, but I wanted to take advantage of his um, ancient evil. So we've got an 18 inch range to the minus one courage. So I wanted to get a few things in there that were causing terror. So um, I started with Numenorians originally actually uh, black Numenorians and I realised that um, I didn't have enough mobility so I, and, and also I didn't have enough orcs to fill, out, uh, fill the rest out I, I realised I'm, I'm very short on orcs I really don't have, have many at all I've got loads but not painted so um, and I didn't have enough time to paint loads so, so yeah I, I sort of think well I was going to go with a few I was going to go with four Numenorians and a lot more orcs decided you know what let's have some Morgul Knights they've got the movement so did that Morgul Knights Cause terror. Uh, you've got a lance, a lance. So you've got some killing power, um, even with without the uh, Sauron. So you know they're not just going to be squishy people. They're going to hopefully land a couple of charges and do some damage. We'll see what happens. But that's the idea anyway. Then obviously seven orcs, seven shields. These are more just to hold the line, uh, to get in the way, to block people off from getting into Sauron if they need to, or to hold hold up the hold ups the line so that Sauron can do his work, or just to take objectives. These aren't going to be doing any heavy lifting at all. That's the idea anyway. Then we got the Warg Riders and the Track and Warg again. Movement. Um, these were originally thrown in there when I thought um, I was just going to have Numenorians, but I decided to keep them in there. I like Warg Riders. They've got high strength. They've got they're speedy. You know, it's not too bad. They're, they're better than orcs. You know, for the value of two orcs, um, you've got 
yes, it's a bit uh, a bit squishy, but you've got a, a Wag who's strength four, you've got a Rider, you've got the t- double attacks on the straight. You know, it's pretty good, you know. Um, and I can't remember, I think I gave them uh, two with rank, spear, and one with a shield, so they're all 12 points each. Then a tracker on Wag, again, 12 points. And, and this one I've never used before, but I thought at least this way I've got something to just fire the odd arrow in just and just hoping to get a lucky shot you know particularly against any army that's not got any shooting but mainly i'm i'm thinking hover over to an objective and just be a nuisance be an irritant and um, cause a threat if you know if, if you're trying to get behind the enemy lines and there's you know one guy standing on a, a capture and control objective or a, a domination objective or something like that and you've only got a track on walk it won't be too bad it's got a couple of shots you never know you never know uh they're the banner with shield self-explanatory then the catapult so uh sauron obviously ancient to evil so the troll uh that comes with the catapult for free what a deal that is um he he causes the terror and obviously uh, minus one that's good so we've got really good strong um defensive defensive uh, capabilities there and mainly the offensiveness of it so catapult just says come to me if you're not within 12 inches of my catapult you are screwed or you're going to be scared basically so it's a hero threat basically i'm going to be targeting enemy heroes you get the reroll to hit the reroll to scatter so you never know uh, you could get a few good lucky shots that's what i'm hoping for anyway but mainly actually what i want i want to stand the catapult um, in a decent enough place maybe in a corner depending on the scenario maybe on an objective uh, or close enough to an objective um, in, in domination or something like that but I want to st- stand the catapult there just around there anyway and then have a troll near it and then Sauron next to it so you've got a 12 inch bubble around there that people want to be inside so they don't get hit by a catapult and inside that bubble Sauron that seems quite logical to me if it works then it, it could be pretty awesome um, I can see it not working in various situations, but mainly in horrible, horrible defensive armies or that have got lots of heroes. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, Rohan armies, they're going to be really hard with all those heroes that can strike up, surround me, uh, get up to 10 for, on the fight and just take lots and lots and lots of wounds and just the weight of numbers can do that. Um, anything like high elves perhaps you know with lots and lots of shooting and um, that would be annoying as well and they've got the big heroes as well so you know lots of strength three shots eventually wear uh, through sauron eventually um but you know i'm hoping that having a few orcs and stuff in the way is going to help so that there you go that's 800 points there that that's the thought the weaknesses of course uh 26 models i don't get broken i don't count as being broken in scenarios but uh, until sauron's lost three wounds at least which is not an easy feat um, but of course, it does mean that I'm going to have very little in terms of numbers. So if Sauron's not rolling those sixes, then mm, it's not going to go too well for, for the army in general. So that's that's a, a weakness. I've not got very many shots, but then I do have one big shot. So I'm thinking, actually, that's not too bad. So that's the that's the thought behind the evil list. Um, I'm pretty comfortable and getting more and more comfortable with Sauron and at various different points levels so far I, so I kind of know some of his tricks you know the the drain courage is one of my favorite ones the, uh, the the just the 18 inch compel and the 18 inch drain soul is just really useful uh, so uh, that's that's the idea anyway uh, that enough of the evil stuff let's find out about my good list so uh, I'll flick over to dwarves haha <laughs> uh, and not during this time now 
I mentioned after my Articon coverage, uh, go back to the Articon episodes if you're interested in hearing a bit more about uh, the armies that I took to that. Um, I think they're about three or four episodes ago, so uh, eight, nine, or ten. Um, and I settled at the end on basically saying, don't like Durin um, and the, his dwarves because I, I really struggle with the movement. I found that in some of the scenarios, I just couldn't compete. Maybe it was just me. Uh, maybe I wasn't playing those games well, or maybe it was particularly bad matchups. But either way, I was really struggling with the movement. So I've gone with dwarves, but not just any old dwarves. These are Thraw for 120 points. He's just an absolute monster. Defense 9, he's similar to Durin. He's not as killy as Durin, but he's incredibly survivable. He's great against throwing it against a couple of troops. You've got a fate roll that on a 3+, plus you... Uh, uh, you can pass, and on a four plus, you keep that fate forever. Defense nine, three wounds. It's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. He's solid. Um, and then with him, and the main reason you want him is seventeen guardians of the king. Now these are grim hammers that are strength four for twelve points. Defense seven models, fight four, strength four, throwing axes. A lot of throwing axes here. Seventeen throwing axes. So this is something that dwarves often struggle with. Is arranged threat here i'm going you know what i've got i've got you might might be able to charge me but i can shoot you i can shoot i can throw axes on the way in uh if i move back enough i can i can add another uh, just keep you out of range just that long enough to get you in and chuck a lot of axes at you strength three and hopefully balance things up a bit so uh particularly against your sort of weaker armies like yorks and uh, stuff like that um lower defense armies that would be that'd be really good to, to face up against those so um we'll see We'll see what uh, what happens with these, but I, I I like the idea anyway, and they look pretty cool. Also, having bash is pretty good because uh, they can either bash or piercing strike, um, and bash is you know compare strength and the loser uh, after you've rolled a dice and added strength and plus ones and minus ones for various different things. Um, the loser fo- uh, you can knock over the loser basically, um, which is really useful if you're um, if you've smashed through someone's army and then they're like oh crumbs I need to. I uh, need to take it a bit more easy now uh, because uh, I've got to stop breaking people. So uh, yeah, so that's that's true. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna try and keep um, keep the the bash in mind. <clears throat> then uh, we've got Dane. So this is an allied uh, contingent, green allies, and we've got four goat riders, and that's it. So this is exactly what I wanted from this army. I wanted the dwarves because I love dwarves. I can't. I just. I think they're so forgiving. The defense seven of dwarves is just so forgiving. It's really frustrating for my opponents to play against, and I realise that. So sorry, but it's it's just so powerful. But they they lack the, the speed. So get Dane, get some goat riders. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, they're going to be a target, I suppose, for enemy bowfire because they are defense six. Um, so compared with the you know the uh, um, the the rest of the army, they're going to be they're going to be a little bit weaker, but. In many ways, that's not terribly bad, I guess. I don't need... I've got four, so that hopefully that a couple of them will survive. But equally, you know, I've got... I've, that's that's quite good. I've got a few that can, you know, come around the edges and, and attack the flanks. And maybe uh, if, if there's a right thing happening, a Dane and, and a, a goat can pick off one on the corner and then heroic combat around and do some damage so so yeah uh, the movement there i think i think i'm going to hopefully be able to utilize that to just get around the backs and 
avoid um, just take away the spear spots because that's what dwarves really struggle with they don't have spear spots of their own and um, they're kind of facing armies that always do so you might be high on defence but if you've got those uh, spears already then that's the, you're, in, you're, in, you're in, for a, in for a good win I, I hope I hope Final warband, so that was a very small warband, and this is a small warband too. Eight Iron Hills warriors, six with spear, two with crossbows, and leading that, Murin and Drar. So the two Iron Hills heroes that don't look like Iron Hills models. Um, and I really like the idea of this. So I've got a couple of crossbows, and I've got Drar or Murin, I can't remember which one's which. Um, one of them who has expert shots, so you get a couple of shots with his strength three bow. You've got some crossbows, so you've got a bit more threat there. So not only have I got range threat in this Dwarven army, I've also got um, the, the speed of a, that a Dwarven army doesn't usually have. And then, of course, I've got the six spears that Dwarven armies don't often have. So and I could potentially have gone with more spears or maybe given crossbowmen uh, spears as well, but... I, I, I think I think this is probably enough. I mean, I could, if perhaps I'd reduce the number of Grim Hammers, I'd get more spears and I could balance things out. Maybe something like fourteen Grim Hammers and uh, seven, well, nine spears or something like that, because they're exactly the same price. They're twelve points for Grim Hammer or an Iron Hill Warrior with a spear. So um, I could potentially tweak that, but I think just the the range threat of this army actually is it's quite potent. I've got seventeen throwing weapons. I've got two crossbows, and I've got a hero um, who can spend might on a strength three bow. That seems quite good. That seems like it could be could have potential. And I've got the goat riders to to just skip around the edges. I really like this list. I really do. Um, I think it's got real potential to be a good good list. Um, I've never used it before. This will literally be the first three games I'll be playing in this tournament. Will be here uh, with this list, but. I'm excited. I think I think it could be the dwarf list I've always wanted to play. But I guess we'll have to wait and see when we go down to the tables. With that in mind, we probably should go down to the tables. But first, it's this. Riddles of the Dark. Yes, that's right, it's time for Riddles in the Dark, the sometimes ill-fated and perhaps very difficult uh, guessing game that I run uh, most most times we're on the podcast. Um, last time I mentioned, uh, do you like Riddles in the Dark? Do you want me to continue Riddles in the Dark? And uh, is it too hard? Um, Dan's been in touch. Dan says, yeah, I like Riddles in the Dark. I am one of the few who has guesses, he says. But if you decide to axe it, well, that's up to you, my friend. I do like it, personally. Uh, so, Dan, thanks very much. You also say you're going to the event in Cardiff, uh, 450 points, which is a nice change in January. Uh, looking forward to more end moot. Uh, yes, thank you very much, Dan, for the message. Um, I, I think I'm still going to Cardiff. I may not be. We'll find out. Uh, I know it's it's very early in uh, in the year. It's like the fifth of January, so it's pretty close to New Year's and stuff. Uh, so it could could be could be difficult. We'll find out uh, what happens there, but we'll see what happens. So um, on the t- uh, topic of Entmoot, uh, it may have been Entmooted for death for the riddles in the dark, but no, no. I, I think I'll keep going for uh, as long as I can. Be honest. Uh, be keep doing it and keep the uh, momentum up i've i've been talking to a lot of people uh, on the podcast who listen uh, recently um whether it's just events and um, big shout out to all of the people i've met in the last few weeks um at events um and a, a lot of you have said the same thing that you said yeah it's really difficult um uh, but yeah I, I sometimes get it sometimes don't 
I never email in because I listen to podcasts when I'm driving, when I'm working, or when I'm walking, or cycling, or uh, riding uh, hot air balloons, or whatever it is you're doing. Um, so you often can't remember. Uh, you, you can have a listen, and you're going, oh yeah, I think it's that. Uh, I'll email them later when I've stopped driving, uh, or flying, or whatever you're doing. Um, and then you forget, which is fair enough. I, t- I totally understand that. I'm exactly the same. I don't think I've ever written into... Uh, a podcast really oh maybe I have I don't know um, but anyway I, I'll keep doing it maybe the uh, next season I'll do something different um, but we'll for the moment we'll have a go at this riddle so this is this week's riddle So yeah, it's, it's distinctive. It's distinctive. The music is distinctive uh, of being a jolly, jolly scene. Uh, it's also, if you're a fan of the Lord of the Rings, uh, distinctively not the Lord of the Rings. Um, the the sort of the twingly music, uh, the that sort of stuff. It's very bouncy. It's definitely not Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, it could have been the Shire, I suppose, if you were um, not particularly au fait with the Lord of the Rings. But anyway, it's definitely not that. Um, but it is one of my favourite lines in the desolation of smaug so uh it's a great it's a great one and this is it in full uh after just a quick congratulations to dan broxholm for getting the answer correct again uh while sending in uh no other correct answers this week so a few of the other regulars um didn't didn't uh, send in for this one but that's okay that's okay um i hope you enjoyed it anyway hope you're getting along at home maybe i'll start introducing some prizes that'll be quite fun uh, then i'll give you a bit longer to do the riddle in the dark um but we'll see anyway so there uh, that uh, winner dan broxholm and the answer was of course this Speak of this to anyone. I'll rip your arms off. Off. Up there. Hmm. Dad, why are the dwarves climbing out of our toilet? Will they bring us luck? Absolutely. I, I love it. Da, why are there dwarves coming out of my toilet? I just, I, there's just something about that line. And I love how um, people in Lake Town um, are Welsh for some reason, or Dale. I, d- I don't really understand the Welsh accent, but I guess they cast Bard as Welsh, so therefore they want everyone else to be Welsh. Um, but not even everyone is. I mean, the master isn't. And anyway, it doesn't make sense, but I love it. I love the fact that they've got some Welsh accents in there. It's fab. So there you go. That was Sigrid. Sigrid. Um, one of the daughters so if you were thinking it was one of the other ones uh, it's not it's not Tilda uh, it's not Bane or any of the other people but it is in that scene where the dwarves arrive at uh, at the house in Lake Town so very very well done if you got that one correct so we set you off on another riddle for uh, next episode um, well, this one might end up being uh, more than uh, an episode or so's time because it's, it's only a short time between this tournament and the next one. But we'll see, we'll see. Uh, it depends on the times I get all this published and all that gubbins. Um, so, uh, let's set you off with this week's riddle. Yes, that's one. So who speaks next in the clip from the films and what? do they say get in touch entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you think you know who speaks next and what they say in this clip
there you go that's the clip for this week uh, I hope you have a, a bit of fun playing along at home with that one now it's only around time to head up to Scotland. So uh, getting on the minibus of dreams, uh, heading up with a load of Yorkshire folk, which should always be very good fun, uh, driving many, many miles. Um, for context, it's about six hours or something like that, five, six hours. So um, that's, that's a, it's a big journey, big journey. But hey, um, it's all worth it to play toy soldiers with some Scottish folk. So should be good fun. So uh, let's start the tournament. No idea what uh, game I'll be playing. No idea uh, the army I'm uh, I'm going to be using, um, and then we'll just see from there. So let's hand over to me after game number one. Mr. Bilbo, where are you off to? Stop! I'm already late. Late for what? I'm going on an adventure. So, end of game one, uh, we were playing a sort of variation of Heirlooms of Ages Pass called The Scouring, which basically just gives you uh, one less victory point if you have the, uh, uh, the, the heirloom at the end, and one more if you've broken and are unbroken. So, uh, my first game, uh, with my good army, so my dwarves, uh, seeing, the, uh, seeing a bit of action against Connor. So, uh, Connor, first of all, can you just uh, give me a run-through of what your army is? Uh, my, my army is Mordor. It consisted of... Gothmog Ongwag with shield, two Moran and Captains with shield, a Siege Bow, two Trolls, and Moranans with spear and shield, and Moranans with shield, and just a variety. And it's, uh, it's the Legion as well, isn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. You d- one thing I just, just literally just this second remembered, you never used the Time of the Orc. I don't know what, what that does, is it it's plus ones to wound or something like that isn't it? I think so yeah. yeah I think it is I hadn't really read up on it because I hadn't had time but yeah. it is what it is it's a new army so I'm, I'm more about fun then. yeah well absolutely what, what, when you saw my, um, my my army on the other side of the table the dwarves uh, did you fancy your chances? I did when I got there yeah until Dane killed my first troll but apart from that it were swings and roundabouts really or back and forth so I hope for the bathroom really you never know it really could. There was an early early uh, situation where basically I got the heirloom um, in my side. I rolled a random six, um, which changed the the battle completely to me being very defensively cornered between three sort of chunks of terrain and you having to fight your way over towards us. But um, I think that was probably the biggest swing. But as you say, I think this one of these warbands of tr- with a troll in uh, stumbled into Dane and four goats, which just meant that I, I had a little bit of an upper hand from quite early on. Oh yeah, taking taking out that first troll did the did the damage on that side, and then I wrote that side off. That's why I just carried on letting Dane pick a few off at a time, and just concentrated on the main assault on the objective. So yeah, I mean he's an absolute monster. He ch- churned through about twelve or so, something Moranans plus uh, plus a troll all on his own on one flank. The downside, I suppose, is that he was he was quite far away from because of his special rule having to charge uh, whoever's in combat uh, uh, once he's killed someone. Sorry, um, it just me- means that he had to keep keep engaging on that other side. But I suppose if I didn't engage on that other side, they'd have swept through and taken towards the objective. So um, I'm I'm just intrigued. The what what did you think of the kind of um, the the legion that you brought? Is it, uh, uh, do you reckon it's a competitive one? Because I know a lot of people are uh, sort of split on this one. I won't say it's nice. It's not cool. It depends what you take. I'm not a competitive. I go for fun, but if I wanted to, I could put a competitive list together. But 
like I say, my dice rolling's terrible as well, so that doesn't do me any favours, but... Yeah, and, and particularly the, um, the the siege bow. I mean, it did cause some devastation, but sadly on the wrong side of the field. It ended up churning <laughs> through your own orcs yeah. rather than... I don't think you ever actually got a hit on my guys, did you? No, I didn't get a hit, no. It just went it just went through my guys. I think it knocked one of yours down, and that's about it. But it's a risky take just to get the good shot, but... It, it, to be fair, it would have been really devastating because there were a couple of... Cha- uh, well, I think almost every time Dane was in combat, you were firing a bolt at the combat, and it was just <laughs> praying and hoping that it either missed or, or didn't do anything, which I, in the in the end did happen. And I ended up getting an 8-1 win, so I had the objective and uh, broken and uh, managed to squeeze your banner out in the end. And Is there anything you would have done differently looking back on it? Uh, probably on, the, on Dane's side, I probably wouldn't have... I'd have probably carried on going round as far as I could until he had to hit me head on. But apart from that, everything else were all right. Like, yeah, I think I think had I not rolled a six and got the uh, got the objective, it certainly would have been different. But yeah, you're right. The the, the right hand side flank, there's a big sort of square bit of terrain in the middle of the t- uh, table, slightly off to one side, and then a kind of a funnel on two sides of the bit of terrain. And you went with one side of the terrain which had a Dane in it. Uh, and the other side didn't but I think maybe if you'd wangled around it would have made it much harder for me to charge that troll and take it out and, and just gain that early sort of early lead because once, once the trolls were gone there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of killing power in your army other than the Moranans which seem to be tearing through Grimhammers like nobody's business well, it's just the strength of them the strength it helps against dwarfs especially because the high defence but it's if you can win the fights that's the only problem yeah, I, I do. I did win a lot of fights, and then I just kept rolling ones and stuff to to wound. It took me a long time to actually get the momentum, but then once Dane joined the the main battlefield, uh, it ended up being sort of decisively swinging it. And a few heroes. Once Gothmog had gone down, I think it was pretty much yeah. uh, a done deal by that point. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That finished the game off because I knew I had courage tests the next turn. I knew I had my captain, and I were wondering if he'd actually pass or not. Oh, he's only got one will, so... Yeah, and then, of course, it, he, he was quite far away from the actual centre and he didn't want to charge into combat because he loses his stand fast. So it was ended up sort of, of being fenced off by Thrall and a, a, and, a, and a Grimhammer to make sure that he didn't actually get very close to the centre and, and a lot of your guys ran, including that troll. So it was a bit of uh, the courage, courage of the orcs failing you there. Yeah, De- definitely did fail me, yeah. Like the troll, I thought, the troll stays, I might, I might have, have a chance. So I'd have probably gone into Dane, but... It didn't stay, so it opened up a massive gap for Dan to play a throw. But it wasn't to be. Well, Connor, either way, great game. Thanks very much for playing me. Cheers. Cheers. Game number two, and we're playing hold ground this time. So uh, swapping in this tournament, unlike some uh, of the good versus evil tournaments, you actually do have to play uh, or an equal number of good and evil matches. So I played with my dwarves. Now Sauron gets to shine. Or not in this case uh, Kalman uh, you're, a, you're a veteran of the Iron Hills you do, do good things with them usually uh, and you've, you've, you've done, it, done it once more here and um, first of all what did you think of Sauron and the, the surrounding army list were you frightened by the catapult and Sauron I'm not going to lie I was a bit arrogant with the catapult um, I think the ballista has made me arrogant regarding that so I really should learn not to be underestimate the catapult Sauron though was well and truly in my head Sauron, yeah, I was terrified about him the whole game. As you saw, I split my army up just to avoid him until I had to, which is at the end, and that's when I engaged him. And, and naturally, with whole ground, you're going to have to because he's going to stand in the middle and he'll yeah. he'll just <laughs> hit stuff until he dies. Um, but yeah, the, the, we talked about the, um, the 
the trebuchet or the catapult or the uh, ballista off at the start because obviously you get the heroic shoot um, I don't but it didn't really go well for the ballista because your first shot you went for Sauron yes Um, so I deployed I brought on two of my three warbands by your catapult because you've only got what is it three or four crew and a troll I thought I can can do that distract it um, and shoot the guys because even if I don't hit Sauron I'll hit some of your orcs and all your numbers out quicker didn't go the way uh, I missed my first shot and then your catapult returned fire yeah and one shot and catapult and I got lucky I mean I had a string of the right numbers and I smashed a, a ballista into the ground in the first turn which was a rock amazing on it, yeah. yeah one rock straight in straight in the string the, snap fact, that the, string. the fact that it doesn't scatter as well because it's a siege target it just means yeah and strength 10 you just need a 3 plus yeah. to kill it yeah it was yeah it was it was an inevitable once I got the, the hit I think and it was a tough one, but then the problem, you also had the issue with that Dane was hovering around trying to kill a troll oh for like three turns. Yeah, so I called a heroic combat with Biffa and strike with Dane and bounced into the troll with Dane. I just fluffed my rolls up to use the rest of my might to win the fight and then couldn't kill it for three yeah. turns. It took, it took out all of Dane's might, which I was pretty yeah. chuffed with, actually, because I wasn't expecting the troll to do much when you deployed in that position. Yeah. So I was thinking, oh, well, <laughs> they're gone. That's that. All right, well, well at least I got the ballista. Um, yes. But then, yeah, it sucked out a lot of your might, which I thought, ooh, this could be big because you're going to need a lot of strikes and you've only got Thorin with three might and Biffa with two or one. He, he had one left at that point yeah. because he called the combat. Yeah, and, and I, was, I was thinking, oh, actually, you're going to need these strikes to actually win combats later against Sauron. But, yeah. um, I mean, actually, you didn't in the end because yeah. it went really well towards the end I mean you mopped up the orcs in such speed Uh, yeah that if if your army has one falling down point I like the cavalry Mm. I I was surprised that you didn't charge cavalry in earlier with your lances the fact you kept them back I was because if your lances charge my shield wall and knock them over they they become quite stringy Um, but yeah as soon as I could get my dwarves in combat with your uh, basic orcs I knew it was game over really because I could just chop them down but that's the point where we had a bit of a discussion about end the game ending and I, I was uh, uninformed on it well yeah they, because of the uh, army bonus um, you, you sort of thought that perhaps the, um, although you don't count as broken for VPs that you might it might still end the game but uh, yes. T.O. decided that it was it went my way and the, the, the game carries on with Sauron because uh, he's got full wounds yes. um, which you know fair enough but it, it, it didn't make a much difference in the end um, just back to that point about the cavalry though because um, yeah. I, the, the reason I didn't charge my cavalry in because my army is built around Sauron really and, and yeah. I, can't, I wanted to really avoid stuff and yeah. um, hold ground isn't an easy one to avoid things with because I'm going to have to try and get stuff into the middle but um, so I didn't charge because there, I knew there'd be there was Thorin hovering around in the back and I knew that even if I if I bounce the first turn with some of those yeah. lances uh, against defence seven it's, it's possible with Thorin as yeah. you said I kept Thorin back just in case you did charge in so Thorin could and counter then, charge and you'd counter charge and then I'd end up losing them anyway I lost yeah. them anyway but um, it, it, yeah a couple of turns later but they really didn't do the impact that well they didn't I don't think they ever got a charge properly really maybe once or twice um, you were very unlucky with the priorities I don't think you won a single roll off yeah I, di- I didn't win any priority and most of the roll offs went your way maybe one went my way not very many. No, I, not very many. No, at all. We're not going to quibble about dice rolls no. because that's the game. But, but if, if they did, though, you've got the magic on Sauron yeah. to just chill soul me into oblivion. Yeah, because early on, I did use a few good uh, immobilizers on um, on the combat with the troll to, to suspend suspend Dane and, and Biffa from doing things and tried tried some stuff like that. But it didn't really pay off as well as I'd hoped. But either way, I took the point off. Uh, I got the, the general wound, yep. but you ended up doing everything else. I mean, they've got. 
an amazing number of guys left. You've got, what, uh, six things dead plus the, the ballista, and I've got nothing on the table. So it's, it was a pretty decisive victory to you in the end. Yeah, I suppose, yeah, the only reason is the army hinged on Sauron, doesn't it? So if I just target the army, the orcs, they crumble, and then at the end, as you saw, just throw everything at it and hail Mary Sauron and pray the dice worked out which they did yeah I, I mean I didn't get the, I didn't get the six but then I didn't need a six because you already got the te- ten anyway on That's Thorin right. and you've yeah. got Thorin Dane Biffa and about ten yeah. Iron Hills uh, yeah I had four in combat and five supporting so yeah nine Iron yeah and it was just I think Biffa did three rooms didn't he yeah, it was yeah. quite good if if, if uh, Thorin had failed on his uh, um, thing and maybe you know only got a two or three yeah. put him into fight seven or whatever and then then I'd have I'd have had a good good turn there swinging the mace yeah, get hit and every single person in the combat that would have been really interesting but it definitely would be yeah 100% it would have uh, it could change the game like you said if I can't get the 10 on the strike yeah. you could just keep getting a 6 and just that's it yeah just steamroll yeah I mean I'd, I'd take out probably half the Iron Hills the first, first turn and then wound a few of the heroes maybe if I'm lucky but either way um, Calman it was a cracking game and it was, it was really interesting um, dynamic I think with Sauron and, and all the other stuff going on um, Ballista off was an int- interesting start I thought when that happened I thought oh god you're, you're in trouble because yeah. Ballista is quite a big part of your list but not really when you've, when you've got uh, big heroes like Dane and Thorin and Biffa yeah that's um, one of the big things that I like about the army is everyone does overestimate the Ballista and the fact that they think oh if I take out Cal's Ballista I've got the game and then I like to show them that with Dane and Thorin, they still have a they have a battle on their hands, regardless of Ballista or not. And, and I think you've got, you've, I mean, you've got the Master of Battle. You've got Biffa's free heroic moves once he's done the thing. Dane doesn't have Master of Battle in this. Oh, does he not? It, it's yellow. Oh, okay. Well, you've got the free heroic combats and the free heroic moves once you've yes. done the wound with um, uh, with Biffa. So I guess I guess that's a really really smart move. You, you've got a yeah. lot of might already, but that means you've got loads of might to spend on strikes and yeah. other stuff. It was seven stones that woke me up to Biffa. I've never used them before, and I, I took all. Chance champions of Erebor and Dale and I when we use it we just realised that these guys can combo off so many things now and I think after that tournament Biffa became a must for me at 600 points over Biffa is in this list yeah. because he, he, he saves my might on Dane and Thorin for strikes as you said yeah. or to kill stuff yeah. yeah and it's really hard to count a free hero move every single turn you just, especially for, for my army you know it hinges on having that magic to be able to push a big hero away or, yes. or insta kill a banner or whatever with the with the magic but I just never had the chance to after the, maybe the th- turn three I just didn't get a chance to play it, do any magic so well, well done Calman thank you very much it was a pleasure Harry. yeah I don't actually know what the score was in the end I think it must have been 12-1 I think Ooh, so I got, yeah. a, I got a wound on your leader, so I think it must be 12-1. Yeah, never even used my fate. That was my mistake. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. If, you'd, if you'd saved your fate in that first turn, then yeah. it would be a 12-0 victory. But either way, Cameron, cracking game. Well done. Thank you very much, Thank Harry. You. And that is despite us getting the rules wrong. Siege weapons are siege targets, so therefore can't be insta-killed by siege weapons uh, because battlefield targets are the only ones that can be insta-killed. So uh, just bear that in mind uh, if you've got a Iron Hills Ballista and you get shot by a catapult in the future. You get double wounds or something like that from uh, uh, some of the... Uh, I think it's the Gondor Trebuchet gets it. But either way... Worth saying, I got smashed by Kalman as it was. It would have been utterly devastating had that ballista been there. So game three uh, and the Iron Hills return and the uh, army of Thror. I'm playing against Tom with an army of Azog's Legion. Now, what's your army? Tell us what's in it. Um, So we've got Azog uh, on the warg in armour with the stone flail and Bolg on a warg and then loads of Gundabar warriors and a few berserkers. 
On a, a few, bat. A few bizarre. Oh, and a bat and the war bat, which war which bat. does the pluckage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, which blocks people up. It didn't really do much. No, it, it did. Well, it it did what it was supposed it was meant to do, which is fly over and get off the board. True. Yeah. yeah. So, did, and, which which made me kind of always be playing a, with a little bit of a worry in my heart over the bat, <laughs> a fear of bats. And um, so we're playing recon. You're playing dwarves. Mm. Although I've got a few goats, usually that's a sort of okay matchup. What, what did you fancy your chances? Um, I did and I didn't because I've got a very small army. Um, so it, I mean, we're actually about the same size, I think. But, yeah, I um, had 33 and you had 35. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so it felt all right, but then um, I did some manoeuvring and we ended up sort of hitting more in my half of the board. And then your goats kind of like started to peel off, and I was like, "Oh crap! I've got to then go back the other way." Um, it was really cool, though, really interesting. Yeah, and uh, what what I think the main thing I took away from it is the fact that having grim hammers be able to bash was <laughs> essential because they were bash away, bash away the whole whole second half. Because I'd broken you, and I suddenly realised I've still got two turns or three turns maybe mm-hmm. to get my guys off the board. And if I don't. If I kill all your guys, then it's going to end too quickly. Yeah, it was brilliant, and the uh, the shielding with the iron uh, iron hills as well. It was it just actually uh, not much I could do, and I'd, they're so tough that um, my Gundabad's needing um, sixes, sixes, to, sixes to wound. It's yeah. just or, yeah, it, it's pretty pretty hard actually. It's a, quite a horrible matchup really because once I've got um, once I've sort of dealt with your heroes and I've got three strikers so I can sort of start drawing out the mind yeah. quite quickly and I've got um, the Master of Battle I know you've got it as well but just sucking out that once I'd sucked out that um, that might I was quite happy so that you can't heroic combat through everything and destroy all of my lines that's it yeah um, like you say when you shut down the heroes for the um, Azog's Legion not a lot we can do just because I didn't have any trolls or anything mm. so um, having just having Dane and Thor there to constantly for Azog and Bolg to just hit into mm. uh, meant that you were kind of your goats could then run around and do what they needed to do which is cool and, and what I liked because it ended up being Thor against Bolg and, <laughs> um, and Azog against Dane and eventually Muren and Jarrah joined in as well and the way, because of the way striking works, of course, I can strike with Thrall, and you know Bolg's going to have to respond. And then Dane goes, "Oh, oh, please, Master of Battle, four plus. And then, and then he gets it. And then Azog's like, "Well, I'm going to do it as well." And it's, it's, it's all these sort of chain of free heroics, which it just just adds to a sort of a fun tactical play, I guess. Yeah, and they were all in a scrum in the middle, so it was happening constantly. It was, yeah. it was always like, "Oh, well, you get that. I want that, so I'm going to have that strike as well." Yeah, it's yeah. really good. It was great. And and in the end, so in the end, Bolg and uh, Azog died. Bolg survived, but it was after a sort of many, many turns of, of, of fighting that um, Dane, Dane lost to, uh, to Azog, but then finally I got, I, I got a, another striker in there to try and get Azog, and it was a sort of constant sort of war between these two, two little plucky dwarf heroes that were trying to go for Azog. And really, I, I mean, you were very unlucky with a lot of the roles, actually, because, I mean, those two guys should not have been killing Azog really Mirren and Jarl. Uh yeah I see your point although he, he was very he was a, a very weak at that point like I think he had one wound and no fate left um, but yeah it was really cool to see uh, Bolg and Thrall just sort of hit into each other um, and that, and really ineffectually yeah. and then um, finally in the last turn Azog goes down yeah it was it was literally the, la- the last thing that happened was Mirren did that final poke with a, with a, with a little Kazal or whatever his name what his sword is but, and, and I really like the tactical play because with, with Dwarves I've always struggled with the movement and I think had I had no goats I'd, I'd have been so much slower because 
the, even just the threat of having the extra movement meant that you knew, oh, I'm really going to be up against it if I let one of those goats go through. So it sort of shifted the whole battle sort of edging sort of a, a, in a diagonal way towards your back left edge. Yeah, we almost windmilled. We kind of hit almost horizontally and then it goats, your goats were on one flank and my berserkers were on the other and kind of you yeah. blocked up my berserkers really well in, that, in a little like choke point and then your goats were kind of free to go around the other, on the other side of the battle line and it just kind of windmilled around. Yeah. It was really lucky actually because I sent the th- three um, Grimhammers around this big terrain piece where the bat was flapping over and luckily nobody died from the bat, uh, which eventually went off the board. But you'd also sent about four... Yeah, a small amount of berserkers. Yeah. But I think what I was thinking is I'll have some go that way and then some kind of stay in the fight thinking they'll help. Turns out, because they're not stronger than the normal than my normal Gundabad Hawks, would have maybe been better to send them all round, yeah. overwhelm that small force, and then I would have had another six models off. Yeah, but I think that would have that would have made the difference, because and especially because that you had the, the the berserkers have got the higher fight, and you just kept losing on the fight value, really, didn't oh, you? Oh yeah, yeah, it was that. And then when you do win, you can't wound, yeah. um, just because the dwarves are so tough. But um, I really liked your. Uh, I really like your Iron Hills Army of Thror alliance. Um, there's a lot going on there, and like cool little synergies. Even though you can't um, use Thror's banner with everyone, it's still yeah. cool. Yeah, I, I, I was I kind of made a mistake actually with that. The the, the banner I, I sort of wanted to have a banner in the list, but by then I'd kind of already done the maths and handed it all in and all that. But yeah, it, it does it does feel quite thematic because the Iron Hills is usually considered the more uh, the stronger uh, dwarf army. But I think the the Thror element really makes this army and. The, the goats, the, the Iron Hills really, well, I only really wanted the Iron Hills to have the movement, so, and, and you just get Dane, which is an absolute monster, so. Yeah, yeah, you end up with a sort of a, a self-made ham, hammer and anvil sort of thing, where Thor and loads of the Guardians of the King Grimhammers just stand there, mm. and then Dane on pig, and all the goats come mm. round and, and sort of crush people against them. Yeah, well, it was an absolute pleasure playing you, and uh, hopefully, what, what does that mean, so two, two, one loss and two wins, or what? Uh, no, I'm on, I'm now on two losses and one win. Oh yeah, so I'm two wins and one loss. So well, either way, thanks for the game. No, Appreciate thank you very it. Much. Cheers, yeah. talk to me afterwards as well. Thank you. So that's the end of day one, and I must say I'm kind of proud of how uh, well I did. I've got two wins under the belt, um, and I, I, playing against uh, some tough opponents, some really very tough opponents, and I'm going to continue playing against tough opponents if I'm going to keep going, uh, uh, doing so relatively well. I mean, I'm, I'm actually happy with two wins and a loss, so uh, that's that's pretty cool. Um, but uh, it wouldn't be right to be up in Scotland in Stirling uh, without really talking to any Scottish folks. So. Um, Let's have a chat with David Reed and Chris Murphitt. Uh, they're the two organisers of the tournament, uh, the sort of a duo, a deadly duo of Scottish gentlemen uh, who are running the, the event and uh, lots, lots to talk about in particular how complicated it is to actually get the spreadsheets and all the maths and wizardry sorted out and also covering these tables with such glorious terrain. Uh, then following that, we'll talk to another Scottish gentleman for game number four. So it's it's Stirling, it's Scotland, it's one of the biggest of the Scottish tournament, I think probably the biggest Scottish tournament of the year, uh, and we've got David and Chris Murphy organising uh, this tournament. Uh, guys, th- welcome to the Entmoot podcast for the first time. Um, I want to uh, ask both of you a little bit about how you go about setting up uh, quite a major uh, tournament, uh, sort of international people coming over, um, probably one of the bigger ones of the, the calendar for uh, the, the, the GBHL. So, um, Dave, first of all, um, how, how, what... How much effort goes into preparing this sort of thing? Um, it's quite a lot of effort, yeah. Um, obviously, we've been running since the start of the league, so we've developed quite a following of players, which is good. Um, but we do have quite a lot of tournament experience because of that. Um, we've both ran other gaming systems tournaments as well in the past, so 
uh, and we've also both attended a huge number of tournaments so we try to draw on things that we like that other people do things that we think oh we could improve on that add our own touches into things and try and build the best event that we can the sort of event we'd like to play in so the, the general idea you, you want to create a tournament that you would like to play in i suppose yeah. which, which makes makes a lot of sense so uh, over to you chris because um, i'm intrigued how much extra effort goes into uh, doing a tournament where a lot more people turn up have you had to do loads of extra stuff uh, from last year when we sort of went solo ourselves it was a lot of effort getting the terrain for the number of tables uh, and then this year again knowing the numbers were going up again it was a lot of work thankfully your podcast helped me through painting a lot, a lot of terrain for the tables but yeah it's a lot of effort to try and get that number of tables most of the terrain apart from maybe two or three tables is stuff that mine and David have provided yeah. so yeah it takes a lot and a lot of people have been really complimentary about the terrain and I, I think it's amazing There's, uh, almost every table is completely different with different themes and different um, setup. it just looks amazing so well done to you both on that thank you no, no that's fine and, and um, in terms of the extra do you have to um, <laughs> sorry we're just waving goodbye um, so with the, with the terrain and with the number of people, um, how many tables were there, for, first of all? Uh, 29 tables we had for the tournament. Right. And, and do you think that the whole Ardacon system, uh, the fact that this year you've got the um, extra ticket to Ardacon, the free ticket because of the Scottish SBG system open, um, do, do you think that's made a difference? Do you think it's encouraged other people to come along, David? Um, I think, well, last year we had 52 players, so we had an increase in six, and we've had a lot of interest um, anyway. I think... There's maybe a couple of we had a couple of Dutch guys come over this year with a guy for Denmark um, Poland. and Poland as well. So we had a few internationals which we've not always had in the past. Um, I think for us we were right on the cusp of being able, able to sell out, and that's kind of maybe helped tip it over the edge. Mm. Um, but we were obviously already quite a big event, mm. um, and that's just a it's a great thing to be a part of because it means that the winner gets to go and play in something that's really cool. Yeah. Um, so that's it's nice. It's certainly nice. Yeah, and, and in terms of uh, the format of the tournament, it's one of the few that actually is good and evil. Is that a conscious decision, that, that, and especially the way you do it, so that everyone plays in exactly the same number of games as good and evil? Yeah, as a like, sort of old-school player from the very beginning, it was always good versus evil, and that was the old GT way. So with us setting up a tournament, we wanted to sort of do that. When we first set up, we were the only ones that done good versus evil. It wasn't done anywhere else. So sort of way we like to play and sort of way the game's designed is good versus evil so it takes a bit extra effort to try and match up the rounds and things like that but I think it is worth the effort and in terms of some people have been saying that good is just so much better than evil in this edition is that have you sort of taken in any uh, into any consideration or I suppose because each are playing at even numbers it shouldn't make much of a difference I mean, it certainly changes the meta um, I mean, you see I posted quite a few graphs and stuff for events uh, um, what armies people were using there are a lot of uh, Mordor, um, which I think can cope quite well against maybe Elves because the defence is like strength three. Um, they've got the Fury to deal with, like Sakurdan and stuff. So it, I think it changes the meta a bit. Mm. Evil can still do really well, though. There's been some rounds where the number of good wins were far, far less than the number of evil wins. Um, I probably do think myself that good are slightly stronger, um, but it's not. there's not been any round where like good's completely dominated, mm. um, So which has been interesting, actually, to see. What do you think about the number of red alliances? Because looking from the, um, the the tally, it seems that Evil certainly has a lot of red alliances to get in that shade. And, and I'll go with you, Chris. Yeah, there was quite a few red alliances. Shades were quite popular. I think that probably was about the main reason for red alliances going through the lists. 
I suppose it does help with the minus one. Mm. <laughs> it does make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of, it is still very powerful. I, I, I have the, the joy of playing against one, and it, it is frustrating. Do you think that that still needs changing? I know that's one of the things that the Red Alliance was potentially trying to get rid of. I think the shade's always going to be a, an issue, but it has been toned down. I can't really see too much they can do. Maybe make it Angmar specific would cause stop that, but I'm sure that's something Jay will probably keep in mind to, yeah. <laughs> in the tournament scene. But I suppose not everyone's brought a shade, have they? No, I mean, there's five red alliances, four on the evil side, which are all for shades. Uh, there's one on the good side. Um, what but, was that, by the way? What was it? Oh, God, it was a... Fellowship Merc. Fellowship, Thrandrill Halls, and something else. Yeah, oh, was it all heroes? I assume it's not quite all heroes. There's like Rohan with a couple of a Rohan hero with some Rohan troops for Thrandrill Halls hero with some Thrandrill troops, and then a White Council hero and a Fellowship hero. So there's quite a lot of points on heroes, but there was a few troops. Mm-hmm. It's Ryan Hinch's list. I'm sure he'll be happy to post it now that the event's <laughs> done. Um, but yeah, it's interesting certainly because it's not something you often see as a red alliance on the good side. Yeah, you mentioned the the, the matching as well, the matchups that um, it makes the maths a little bit more difficult uh, uh, to just to get people matching the exact the same player. And does does that how does that actually work the mechanic too? Because it can affect the who's playing. You know, the number one players in each faction it has to be rather than the number one players overall. Yeah, you Swiss rank it as normal, so rank it who's got highest tournament points blah, 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 all the way down and then you have to use spreadsheet to filter who played good the last round who played evil and then just copy and paste top good player versus top evil player and do that lots of spreadsheet wizardry yes yeah. <laughs> and and in terms of uh, uh, a lot of tournaments like, like to have big prizes and things like that is uh, i know you've got like cool helmets and cool big photos and things like that is is it a big thing that you want to sort of spend as much of the, the the sort of money that you make out of it on on prizes yeah i mean i think we've a lot of the money that we've spent over the last couple of years has been in scenery um but we want to give a good standard of prizes. Um, it's something like that's, that's cool. Like the glass trophies are there, which are really nice. We also have another things that are quite unique that you might not get at another event. I think is it's a nice selling point. I mean, people don't necessarily come for prizes, but I think it's nice to reward people who have done well. Mm. Especially if someone comes to a sixty-player event and they're the most sporting player there, or they've had the best painted armies, or, or they've won the thing. It's nice to give people unique things to remember it by. Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, well, and like I know we're, exactly, and I know we're, we're coming to the end of uh, the actual rounds itself we've just grabbed you before the go but uh david thanks very much and chris thank you very much for uh, talking to me on the podcast uh, i hope you've enjoyed being on the podcast yes yeah thank you i'm sure we'll be sure to listen to it back lovely thank you very much so game four uh, day two and we're playing lords of battle yesterday i was using the iron hills uh, so today it means it's sauron's time to shine and with lords of battle i was uh, looking hopeful uh, playing against james gilray with a rohan legion uh, just tell me what you've got in the legion first of all um, so it's the riders of faden legendary legion uh, obviously led by faden i've got gambling with a banner rohan because infinite might i've got ermer because he's a bit of a tank he's got the free fate you can be a little bit more aggressive of him uh, I've got Dernheim which is the chief of the King's Knights guy he's pretty good free hero combat with uh, yeah. Faden and then the merry guy what's the name again Dernhelm Der- they, they, they all sound the same so, yeah, they all, they all do um, so the those same. five heroes uh, I just mix your royal guards and guys so yeah. royal guard, and there's another banner in there yeah, as well there's two banners just so it covers the full army and get all the heroes so, yeah. Yeah. absolutely so um, first of all Lords of Battle um, you drew Sauron I do have a lot of orcs that are relatively squishy, but obviously they're Sauron. Um, what did you think when you saw that on the other side of the field? Did you fancy your chances? Kind of, yes and no. I think if I can do the wounds on Sauron, I can win. 
I think if I can get Sauron, I can win, obviously, because my army in a straight-up fight can just beat yours. But Sauron's a problem. I thought at the start of the game, it's going to come down to, I've got models left, and it's just going to be Sauron. And that's... Yeah, uh, looking at the table now, there's a corner, there is a troll and Sauron. Troll from the catapult and Sauron left. Sadly, Sauron's only lost one of the wounds, so you never quite got that broken. But just, just walk me through the first couple of turns, because I had a catapult and one orc tracker, and they did some damage. So, Ermir started off at the corner, and this one orc tracker managed to take, all th- I think it was all three fate, two wounds, and all three might... He certainly took out a lot, and yeah. his horse. His yeah, horse. he was just this, rolling sixes every turn. This was just a, a shot in the first turn, took his horse out. Shot in the second turn, I think, uh, wounded him, and then he got charged, and he ended up fighting him a couple the of times. The was quite good as well. Uh, with the reels, with the troll, you can reroll to hit, and you can reroll scatter. That's really good. Yeah. So you dismounted quite a lot of my heroes as well. You dismounted Faden, which was quite good as well. Yeah, I, first turn, Faden went down. He took a wound, I think, and uh, lost his horse, which was pretty crucial, because he took ages to get into the actual fray. Yeah, he was out, and he calls the death thing, but you need to be from 12 inches of your characters to call death so he spent a few turns calling up um, so I couldn't really call death when I wanted to I think what was crucial was as well because of the way that I castled up in the corner I had my uh, line of orcs and the cavalry and you just had to sort of hit into the orcs to um, get to Sauron and it meant that you were sort of spending resources like on, you might to try and do some heroic combats and things like that to clear out the orcs which meant by the time you got to Sauron that some of the heroes were a bit sort of softened or I think the thing with Sauron was um, that turn where you kill three my heroes and since it's Lords of Battle like you've only got four might in the army three might Sauron one the captain and like you got three points of might back for killing three yeah. my heroes and I was just like yeah, we, we, we talked to the uh, TOs about this and, and the ruling was that because I got three separate kills that I got all three of my might points back which I'd spent so uh, it was it was pretty, uh, pretty pretty awesome move that one and uh, it did just gave me that little flexibility to do a heroic combat later and and, uh, and do another another bit of magic. Even your casting as well just chilled souls like one spare turn yeah. it's taken away my fate a lot of my characters only Aermir has a free fate most of my other characters just one fate mm. so it's like do you keep the horse or do you Yeah, and, and so I think it was uh, I, I did a couple on Thedon and one on Gambling and I was trying to get them but it just forces you to get that heroic move as well because otherwise you're you're facing another chill soul and, and that the army is built so heavily around those heroes. I think what turned at the end was me filling that cow's chest with Gambling. Literally he was giving me unlimited might just and you were out of might so I was just flinging one guy into Sauron a ton but when I lost Gambling it was like yeah. Just, just wait for the announcement. Oh, painting. Best painting awards going out. And um, so... <laughs> so the um, I love that alarm. Um, so yeah, the, the yeah you're right, the heroes, and then of course the harbinger of evil. It was just a matter of time, I suppose. Like you would take you kill bro- Faden. yeah once you kill Faden, the bodyguards away as well, so they just run. Yeah, because the swarm protector and the the royal guard. So I went. That's why I wanted to get Faden. Some people say go for gambling first. I go Faden because I think in this one the the terror is, was going to be a big deal because I knew the game was going to yeah. go on for a while. Also, we did roll I think three or four turns in a row for the one or two, and the game didn't end. I think if the game had ended maybe in those three turns, it might have been different, but. No, I, I think the, the only difference it might have made... I no, I killed, I killed Theoden already. I don't think you were ever going to double me, so it might not have made a great deal of difference anyway. I, I think, in a, if anything, the thing to, for you to be able to win, the only thing you were going to be able to do um, was, was get, get Sauron in combat and just take two, two uh, kills off him. It, might, it was a risk, of course, because it might mean that you'd give me a, hand me a, a bigger victory. I did try to do it, and then um, 
when I'd done it, you got free mic back after him yeah, killing yeah. all three of my heroes that I charged in. Like, yeah, don't want, don't want to charge Gambling Aramo in because that's two points of mic for you, so I don't want to do that. Um, but yeah, it worked out. It was a really, really close game, really a, a long one, but it ended up being 5-4 to me. Uh, I'd killed um, your leader and I'd broken you, um, and I'm not broken because Sauron still only has uh, still has uh, all, all but one wound. So, so it was really close. You had the, the pit me on the post by two on the uh, wound tracker because I just took out a lot of horses. But um, either way, James, it's a pleasure to uh, play you and uh, thanks for t- talking to me on the podcast. Well done. I uh, hope you do well in the tournament. Thanks very much. Thank you. Cheers. So game number five, uh, we've had to flip a coin again and I ended up with my good side. So I was playing with Dane and the uh, and the gang and I'm playing against Ryan Hinch. Ryan, first of all, you're playing your evil army. What's your evil army? So my evil army consists of the Witch King as my general with all the kit bar one will point. Uh, I've got a Shade, a Shadow Lord, and also Gurrits with a load of Black Numenorians, some Trackers, and some Orcs. So this is a Red Alliance. You've got the Shade. You've got all the all the filthy nonsense. And um, first of all, how have you found this list competing generally at the tournament? It's it's a grindy list that just wears your opponent down because of the Shade, and then the magic allows you to just control your opponent's heroes so that they don't cut through you too quickly. Yeah. And it's generally just like a slow grind army that eventually towards the end of the game it's just your opponent's got not much left to give. Yeah, yeah and, and in terms of will and yeah. you know, actual will <laughs> in so many ways. Um, no, it's, 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 it's a good list. I mean, and the way you played it was extraordinarily well, I thought. Um, so my Grimham, it's, it's ill met by Moonlight. So we have the, the throwing, you've got to throw, um, uh, get extra wound, yeah, uh, plus, plus one, one to wound for yeah. shooting and a 12-inch range for your shooting. So the Grimhammers were potentially quite scary. So yeah. how, how, how did you, what did you plan to do? Yes, yeah, so I started off with my Orc trackers on the front just to ping off a few Grimhammers so that when the combat's hit, you weren't taking out two or three every turn when you charged. I, I used the Might on the Witch King a little excessively to kill two dudes uh, to then call a hurt combat to fly away just to try and get the Grimhammer numbers down because they were kind of a threat, thinking with the scenario at mind as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cause a strength three against a tracker, for example, I'm wounding you on threes, aren't I? So. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not nice. But the heroes are great as well. Your heroes are still going to cause problems. So I just had to slowly sort of work them down. But it, all it takes is a couple of bad dice rolls on your part, and then they just fall pretty quickly. Yeah, and and dra- you you focus your first main efforts on draw initially, because obviously you've got the two shots and the two mi- uh, three mines yeah. with the potential for pota- I could if I got the shot off uh, take a witch king or a shadow lord yeah. out in one go. Was that the idea? little bit the main idea was because of the scenario to get ahead I needed to kill a hero mm. and they were easy targets to get with the magic with the black darts mm. with him only being defence 6 yeah so you get points for uh, 5 points if you kill all of the enemy heroes yeah. and you have some on the board but you killed more heroes than me but uh, not all of them quite but yeah that seemed like a good strategy I was hoping I, I realised a bit too late I was shot the first time I shot with Drow I shot at the front rank but you'd move the Shadow Lord back and you had the 6s to hit so I felt like I, I would, it would have been very very lucky yeah. if I'd actually managed to get Get hit off on you, one you of the were, ring raids. You were definitely stuck between a rock and a hard place on this one. Is there's not much you could have done, barred what you did. Yeah, and I, I, try, I tried a bit with the with the goats and stuff. You got a really good hurl off with the the witch king, and I, I just saw it. I saw it when when you'd done the combat. I was like, oh gosh, there's a line of goats there, perfectly uh, lined up to to hurl through. And but yeah, generally the the I, I struggled obviously with the magic that just shuts down people like Dane. I mean, I I, I was quite conservative with my will, yeah. so I felt I I always had of dice to, to play with but I, inevitably it meant that I, I was mobilised a few times but I guess yeah. the, the, the way your list works is you can you send off random guys with the with the spectre to wander off and into the woods or to, so you can heroic move off them and things yeah. like that but generally it's just stop me shooting with your, with your shadow lord, stop me 
fighting with you, Magic. Stop yeah. me fighting with the shade. It just kind of neutralizes almost everything I've got. Yeah, and the trackers mainly, in, for that regard, are they just to pose a little bit of a threat. Mm. They're not there to kill a lot of stuff because they generally won't, but they just to make your opponent play a bit differently, knowing that you've got 10 shots. Also increases your break point as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in this in this particular scenario, they, they work really well because you've got you oft, not 18 inch bows aren't often going to have have the superior fighting, but against 17 six inch uh, throwing weapons, it works really well. So I kind of had to come to you, and then you just keep edging away until the lines eventually clash. Once I'd lost a few guys, so it was it was a pretty tough game. But you you played it really well, and and I, I think that the the experience on your your behalf really shows through in this game because. You were really, really maximising the potential of getting a one kill here and then moving everything back, and then one kill there and then moving everything back until you know maybe three turns in, you had a, a bigger advantage than, than in terms of numbers than yeah. I had, and I just didn't get a chance to kill anything. I, thought, I played it similar to like a chess game. You just you can take if you take one piece without losing your own, then you, you sort of gain a little bit of an advantage going in towards the middle game. Mm. So just slowly creeping an advantage, like slowly climbing the ladder. Yeah, absolutely, and and you got a good three or four of those. I mean, the 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 bows helped. You took a couple of grim hammers out, but also the heroic combat. You say took another couple of grim hammers out. So then I was down by four, and then you got a, a, a trap early on, and a, a sort of hooking off a central piece of terrain, which took another grim hammer out, and then the spectre moved someone out. Took an, and then by that time, you list it all like that. It's like I've lost seven grim hammers, and yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah, because that's almost hundred points. So. Mm. You're essentially playing 100 points down coming into the fight. Yeah. And, and then once you've got no resistance to magic, it's kind of game over. Yeah. I mean, the, the heroes were hard to take down. Um, that was the main reason for the magic against uh, Draw and Urine. Because I thought, by the time the combat comes, I might not kill Dane, I might not kill Thraw, and then I won't be able to achieve the major victory for this one, which was to kill more heroes than your opponent. Yeah. So that, that was why I targeted them first before... It's also another one, one less hero to deal with as well. Yeah, absolutely. A, a striking hero nonetheless, and, and ones with three might that can heroic combat and all that yeah. sort of stuff. They're definitely something that you need to watch out for. But I, I like your dwarf army as a, as a whole... I think if the shade hadn't been there, you would have won a lot more fights and killed a lot more dudes. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I have no real counter for the shade. I was hoping maybe I'd get some goats around at some point, but just when when they clashed, I needed the goats to kind of do some damage and yeah, all, all kind of fell apart from there. But either way, Ryan, it's a fantastic list. It's a really, really competitive, tough list, and you played it extraordinarily well. So well done, and it's a ten-nil victory to you. Yeah, thank you. It was a good game as well, which is always a, always good after that. Yeah, so. that's good. Exactly. Thank you very much. So the final game of the tournament, and I'm playing up against Mick, um, and I'm using Evil, of course, last time. Sauron, uh, my catapult sat in the corner, and we were playing Capture and Control, the one where you flip your objectives over to try and capture things. Um, Mick, um, what, what army is yours? Uh, what, what's the general gist of your list? Right, so I was playing uh, with Gun of the Wide, uh, Huron, and Madril, leading uh, uh, 22 uh, Guards of the Guard with shields. Uh, four Knights of Minas Tirith, and I believe 13 uh, Rangers of Gondor with Spears. And, and what, uh, out of interest, before we talk about your good list, what, how, what's your evil list and how has that fared? Um, the evil list is uh, the Witch King with Crown, uh, 3 Might, 14 Will and 3 Fates on a horse. Uh, Shadow Lord on a horse, uh, Gyrit, uh, Groblog, 2 Bat Swarms. Ten goblins and then a mix of uh, black Minorians and uh, orcs with spears. How's that fed? Uh, it it won two games and then it got crushed in one game against uh, against uh, an army which which was like sort of very elite and very difficult to break uh, in lots of battle where 
Uh, my opponent had a lot less models than me, including very big heroes. So even even though I had wizards and buttworms, I couldn't really do very much. Fair enough, fair enough. Now, so onto this game, into this game. So we're capturing control, we're, we're flipping over objectives. I've got about the same models, maybe you've got uh, a few more, I think. Um, did you fancy your chances knowing that I've got a Catapult and Sauron in the list? Well, I played against Catapult in round three, and I lost against it, so I learned my lessons. Um, well, n normally, uh, since I have higher five value across, across the entire army, and uh, you have very soft targets in combat, um, I was expecting to be to, to, to be beating you and winning most combats and, and, and killing you in fights. Mm. So the main point was really, how do I stop Sauron with Gandalf? And also, how do I deal with the catapult? Um, for the catapult, I decided to send Huron and, and two knights um, uh, straight at it, which mathematically should have worked out better than it did. Uh, yeah, I think we, we, we did. You did, or you did some maths, and it worked out that I, I needed to get a roll of a six on the three dice to win, uh, which is a forty-two percent chance. Yes, and I did. Uh, I, yeah, and you did. Um, it, it, it was one of those those silly situations where I had multiple options, but I decided to just go with um, charging with Huron and two knights into into a troll. Uh, after heroic combat. Yeah, so what, uh, what happened, well, I, I'd put, moved one of my Morgul Knights in front of the troll um, in order to try and try and basically be a speed bump. And the heroic combat, I thought, oh, that's quite a good idea, but I thought you were going to move back away from the troll instead. Instead, you went straight into the troll just because... Yeah, well, I figured that um, if I move back, you're going to be able to shoot. And um, if, I, if, I, uh, if I engage, uh, you're going to lose your reroll, uh, at least. And I decided that um, Huron with two knights charging against the troll. If you don't win, uh, if you don't win the fight, I have about uh, 14 dice on fives to kill you, which which should which should mean a dead troll. And you only win the fight for, uh, about 43, 44 percent of the time. Uh, so I should be winning, really, and I should be killing the troll there. Yeah, I, I see. I thought, oh, it's a bit of a coin flip. It's, like, it's, it's as close to a 50-50 as you can get. So I was, I thought, oh, fair enough. But having said that, although the troll killed Hurin, um, you did eventually kill the troll. Eventually, after about four or five turns. After about, after about four or five turns, yeah. Uh, but luckily for me, uh, the troll didn't really kill anybody for the next three turns, despite winning combat every time. Uh, yeah, I think I won every combat and rolled twos and ones to kill things, so that was annoying. So moving away from that corner of the battle, um, we've got Sauron um, and a load of guys in the middle. I, I sent some wild riders to swing around to the left of some terrain in the hope of maybe catching one of the objectives, um, and I sent everything else forward against your line, so it was a bit of a clash of the lines. But um, the main duel, really, was, was a magical duel between Gandalf and Sauron. Of course, I've got a chill soul on a 4+, plus with resistance to magic, and you've got a, a, a banish on a 4+, plus, um, and you've got Fortify Spirit, which you put up in the first turn, a channeled Fortify Spirit. Yeah, so in, in, in turn one, the first thing I said was Gandalf's going to channel. And so I was actually hoping that you would use some of your might to, uh, to maybe heroic move, to maybe stop me from channeling, maybe transfix me, do something else. Mm. Uh, which, which, I, which I was thinking, yeah, uh, you're going uh, to lose, uh, lose my point and I should be able to resist. But sadly, you didn't use your my point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I thought, okay, uh, on the balance, on the balance, it's a, D, it's a D3 wounds on the, the channel banish. And I thought, mm, 
so I might lose three wounds, but I've got the resistant. I could spend some extra will. I thought uh, I I need that move the, to be able to cast magic later on rather than uh, do it. So I thought it was worth a go, and I, and I was right because you you did the fortify spirit, which was annoying though. It proved. I don't think I got any chill souls off in the end at all. Yeah, I think I resisted every single spell in this game. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and 45 Spirit channeled, obviously, two or three dice to resist with plus one. Plus I had the staff, plus I had my will. So there was never really any doubt whether, whether I was going to resist. Even, even, even if, if a chill soul happens... Um, Gandalf gets three will, uh, three fate points with, with a reroll. With, with, with re so. Yeah, so it was unlikely to happen, but I was I was really hoping just to get one through, <laughs> just because yeah. I was like, it's so frustrating that this keeps bouncing off, and and it didn't help that um, Sauron really didn't perform. He under, underperformed in uh, pretty much every way in this pretty game. Much. I mean, four hundred points of guy, and I kept rolling very poorly in combat and I mean eventually he started working his way through and he is the only guy left on the table but um, it still ended up as a win to you and, and did you find it incredibly frustrating playing Sauron because I, f- I felt like it was incredibly frustrating being Sauron in this game not really like it's just it's just one of those models where this is basically how it plays so mm. there's nothing really really to be, to be frustrating about like yeah. uh, the, the, the game itself I did everything I could and it's, it's just one of those things where if you've done everything correctly and you've played as, as best as you can, then even if I lost, then I can't really blame myself or anybody else. Like, um, the worst thing is really if you, if you keep making mistakes and losing because of that. But if you don't make mistakes, then even if you lose, it doesn't really matter. That's a really good philosophy to have. And I, I think you did play it absolutely perfectly. You, you stopped my wilds from coming around. Gandalf did some chunky stuff with, the, with magic over there and... and he stopped all of things. The only thing that you couldn't do was was kill Sauron in combat, which I mean is is that in terms of things to try and succeed in, killing Sauron in combat is a tough one to do. Well, I did bring him down to one wound, so one wound that was, that was nearly there. And in the very last turn, we had uh, <clears throat> two turns of uh, rolling for uh, for breaking. Very last time, I managed to barge a guy over the objective. Uh, and then charge him again so that I was on the objective, lose combat and back up onto the objective. Uh, so I did manage to get one objective in the capture and control, uh, which meant it was a 10-2 victory to you. Correct, yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and in general, I think actually that was, that, that's a pretty good score for me. I was, I was pretty lucky to get that in a way. I think you should really have had the, uh, the objectives pretty much. Well, I was expecting that if the catapult hits Gandalf initially... Uh, that might be slightly difficult for me. Mm. Like if, let's say, you manage to get one or maybe two successful scatters straight on, onto Gandalf, then that could have really hurt me. Yeah, and I, th- I think I did get two hits, but they both scattered into somebody else, didn't they? That's, that's right, And yeah. then there was one that I rolled a one on. Yeah, which was very sad and stuff. But either way, uh, it was a fantastic game, a great way to win the tournament, um, and I hope you enjoyed it too. Yeah, yeah, it was great. Thank Thank you. Thanks for the game. Thank you. So... We've, we've heard my games, we've heard how well i done. Did okay uh, in the tournament, but it's, uh, we'll have to have a chat now with the winner of the tournament, um, and who's featured on the, the podcast before. It's Jakob. Well done, Jakob. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, I have been featured. I won Battle of Number Tears uh, earlier this year. And, uh, and, and now, how do you feel having won the, the Scouring of Sterlingshire, or whatever it's called? <laughs> So that's, that was important for me, not only as a uh, GBHL tournament, but on, also as an Otacon system open. So I'm very happy I managed to secure a place in Masters tournament and an Otacon ticket. Yeah, that's the big thing, I suppose. The Masters tournament and you get a free ticket. So that's, that's a pretty good, pretty good prize, as well as all the, uh, all the cool gear you're getting as well. 
Mm, yes, uh, I can only agree. Uh, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Although the Urukai prop helmet, that's the first prize will have to be sent to me. I suppose there's no way I can take this thing. Because <laughs> it's because you've got you've flown all the way from Poland, haven't you? And um, so uh, uh, let's just have a bit of a chat through some of your, uh, your two army lists. Of course, good versus evil. Um, how does that change what kind of armies you're going to take, or does it at all? So um, it does change. Perhaps for evil army, where I'm not concerned about many uh, good casters, like uh, evil has a lot of Nazgul's flying around, while good is only Gandalf and maybe Saruman in some lists. But uh, I, I basically took very similar lists to the Battle of a Number Tears, and that was also good versus evil, so uh, it was a bit easier because mm. I already knew what's working. Yeah, so and, and that one was I think seven hundred or seven hundred and fifty points. So you've got an extra hundred points here. So um, or so. And um, just just get, get let's walk, walk us through. Let's start with your, your good army list. What, what's your good army list? Because I know uh, a lot of people saying that that Kurdan is really good and that, that good army lists in general are better these days. So what's your army list? And do you agree? So my uh, army list, or rather my army, because not it's not a single army list at all, is. Uh, uh, Elisar and Boromir of Gondor, Galadriel Lady of Light and Curdan, with some uh, Warriors of Minas Tirith and some Elves and like two Knights, it's 29 models total. And for the second part of your question, I don't think good armies are uh, better overall. Uh, I've actually enjoyed playing my evil army more this time, but good armies can definitely be more versatile and very uh, easy to play. And Kirdan, Kirdan is a very good character, especially with such a long playtime. We had two hours and 15 minutes to play each game, and while Kirdan slows down the game considerably with his aura of dismay, for example, then you, when you have a time to do it, and then, yeah, absolutely take him. Yeah, so a lot of people have said that Kirdan is an overpowered model, or that, that he's He's easily the best uh, model in in the game, uh, certainly for the good side. Uh, do you agree with that? So uh, he's is he overpowered? I think so. I think he's more like a model that brings too much to the table for its point value. Uh, if you compare him, for example, to a mortar shaman who does like uh, a quarter of uh, of what Kirden does. He's uh, easily worth his points, although not uh, not every time. Mm. Yeah, I suppose that's that's the thing. And and you've included it in an all hero, well, not all hero, but uh, lots of big hero list. And um, uh, what's the choice behind that? What's the thought behind that with the uh, uh, Boromir, Galadriel, and uh, Aragorn? You seem greedy with heroes almost. Oh yeah, I'm. It's not about being greedy with heroes. It's about like I don't think I need more than around thirty models to control the. Uh, board most of the time and uh, I prefer not to have more models but rather to make my opponent have uh, less models than me in a way of killing them. Mm -hmm. So uh, Aragorn is a huge force multiplier in this kind of list because of his 6-inch banner and Boromir is a huge killer for his points. He's I think he's the best uh, good army uh, profile, but only with Lady of Light, who protects him against his only weakness, which is magic. Mm, yeah, of course, because uh, he doesn't have any will or very little will. He has one point of will, which is nothing, honestly. Yeah. And, and he's the one from the, uh, from the Fellowship army list, is that right? So him and Aragorn are from Fellowship. So he's from Fellowship, Aragorn is from Minas Tirith, which means there is no Red Alliance thing there. So it's yellow. So it's, a, it's a yellow list, which is absolutely fine when you're relying on big heroes like Aragorn, Boromir and Galadriel. 
oh yes, there is no need for Red Alliance in a good, uh, really. I, uh, I've i played a lot of times, I've never seen a good, a strong uh, Red Alliance good list. There was one hovering around, we've just uh, we've spoken about it uh, with David and uh, the organiser there, but I don't think it's done particularly well. So, uh, moving on to the uh, evil side of things, um, I, I, I vaguely remember you had an, in lots of enraged spiders uh, at Battle of Unnumbered Tears. Is it the same idea here? Oh yes, it's the same idea. Actually, Battle of Unnumbered Tears was just 50 points less, it was 750 versus 800. So, uh, I have uh, Spider Queen, Shelob, uh, Druzak, Guritz, and then uh, Shadow Lord on horse as heroes. I think that's uh, everyone. And then Black Numenorians backed up by uh, Moran and Orcs, and I had two Bat Swarms here. Compared to one Bat Swarm in Unnumbered Tears, like uh, adding another Bat Swarm and like some changes in infantry were the only differences between the list. Mm. But two, two Bat Swarms are a very useful thing. Yeah, it's really effective, really shuts down here, uh, shuts down um, big heroes. And then, of course, uh, with caster like uh, Shadow Lord, where you can stop, stop the, the, the Pole of Darkness and stop, stop shooting. It just seems like you've got a lot to be able to pick apart um, a lots of different armies. Is that generally how it works? Uh, that's generally how my armies work. I want, I have, when designing them, I have one uh, basic consideration that I don't want to lose any game before it starts, so I can put up a fight at least against any any list, and that that is the case here. So, how, how do you tackle Kurdan, for example? You, you, we mentioned that it's underpowered. Uh, if there's a, uh, it's overpowered or, or uh, so on, and um, how would you tackle an army that's sort of built around Kurdan? Um, I've seen things like Arnor uh, army with Kurdan, or or big Elven armies with 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 that power. So my Black Dominorians are Courage 4, so they are, uh, apart from Fury, uh, they are the best for uh, attacking under Aura of Dismay. And then my Spiders and Bats, um, the Druzak has the Bestial Fury spell, which makes them auto- automatically pass those tests. So actually, yes, while Kirdan is a problem because of Aura of Command mainly, I... I can handle, uh, like, if I can kill Kurdan, then list built around him mm. isn't going to be uh, very difficult to deal with. And am I right in thinking this is a yellow alliance as well? Yes, it's a yellow alliance. A lot of people who've bought uh, um, red alliances particularly, which have been quite popular this time, have bought shades. Um, do, what do you think to that, and do you think you need a shade? Uh, definitely not in this kind of list. I've actually never played a shade. Uh, in a tournament or ever. Uh, not because I think it's weak, it's a strong option, but because Shade requires little to no skill to play. And, uh, well, regardless how good you play, like Shade does the same thing. Mm-hmm. While my lists uh, are, like, this spider list is extremely dependent on player skill. You, It has high difficulty, but uh, you can get so much more from it than I think from a Shade list. Mm-hmm. So, so, and, and you obviously uh, you've won the tournament, so you must be playing pretty well. So, I, I guess you must be on t- uh, tip-top form this this weekend. Oh, I'm uh, I'm in quite good form. That's uh, considering like big tournaments uh, in Poland. We have also tournaments that are called master master tournaments uh, that are hundred point equivalents. We have nine of them in total in a league. And uh, last three of them I won, mm. so that's that's the fourth one in a row. So uh, yeah, I guess if that's not a form, then what is? Well, exactly. And and so now you you mentioned you at the start of the conversation that you're going to be uh, taking on Ardacon. You'll be going to the Masters. And um, 
I think the Masters points list might be changing slightly, although certainly the format is changing of the whole Articon. I'm not 100% sure how it's changing yet. But um, are, you, are you hoping to take the evil list, the, this one that you've uh, won a couple of tournaments with now, to uh, Articon, or are you going to keep that quiet? Maybe not keeping that quiet, but honestly, I have no idea what I'm going to take on Articon next year. There will be an FAQ in February as well and probably one in August uh, before that, so uh, everything might like, change by 180 degrees. Mm. So uh, are you quietly confident that you might might end up uh, taking the uh, the Masters title and being a world champion at Articon? So I think that's an option, but I never say I'm, I will win the tournament. Like I, I hope I will, but there will be a lot of good players out there, and there is a Masters tournament for a reason. Well, Jakob, well done on winning another tournament and featuring an Entmoot again. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks, Harry. So there you have it, the scouring of Stirlingshire over for another year, and well done again to Jakob. Uh, the second time he's featured on Entmoot, as he mentioned, Battle of Unnumbered Tears, I think episode five or six, somewhere a few a few weeks ago, certainly in the summertime. Uh, uh, he won that one as well with a very similar army, uh, as he mentioned, with a couple of extra bits and bobs. Uh, really interesting to see uh, see his army list um, growing and uh, potentially in the skill he in which he uses it, uh, just based on the number of times he's playing with it, and also um, in kind of success at tournaments as he as that grows. It seems as as he uh, has mentioned a couple of times that it's very hard hard counter to a lot of the uh, armies kicking around there. So hopefully that's given you a bit of food for thought. Uh, for your army lists in the future uh, if you're interested in uh, the, the slightly uh, weird um, bat and spider combination that uh, seems to be seems to be raining actually uh, quite well at a lot of tournaments so that was uh, that was that one uh, well done and also uh, a bit of a shout out to Will Champion who ended up uh, because of his placing in the tournament ended up getting uh, a prize for the Northern League so uh, the GBHL the Great British Hobbit League is organised into three different uh, sections we've got a Southern a Central and a Northern League uh, which divides it up and then there's of course the national uh, main thing um, and uh, Will won the main league after winning or coming third sorry in uh, Sterling so a uh, big shout out to him for that as well as being on the minibus of doom on the way back which was very very tiring uh, journey back but go, go, go back at well, like two o'clock in the night or something like something like that on the sunday night thank god i took monday off uh, work um also shout out to simon ripley who uh, who got the uh, best uh, sporting vote uh, two years in a row i believe uh, so well done to him at the tournament uh, it's 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 always a good one to to get because and as he said in a facebook post just afterwards after the tournament uh, it's uh, he should be that t- uh, award should be renamed the luckiest person who is drawn against brilliant opponents and I like that I like to think that that's the reason that that uh, I've won uh, sporting awards in the past it's just good opponents isn't it it's just if you have a good laugh with someone um, so that's good uh, also painting award um, I don't know the names of the two painting award winners and I ca- I've had a look and I can't quite find them anywhere on the uh, on the event page but I do know that they were absolutely extraordinary uh, paint jobs uh, one guy uh, I think he was Italian uh, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong um he certainly travelled from Europe. Um, he had an incredible, incredible display base uh, with Mordor trolls on it and Mordor tr- troll chieftain. It just, it was just absolutely outstanding. Um, and uh, forgive me, I don't know who actually. I don't think he won it. He came second. Um, 
and I think I voted for the winner, but I forget his name. Either way, it was really extraordinary. Um, I'm sure there will be uh, data on the uh, pictures on the uh, Facebook pages uh, at some point if they're not already gone up by the time this comes out. Uh, so there's that. Um, and that, I think, is probably about it. Big shout out to David and Chris, uh, who you heard from earlier in the podcast, uh, for organising a cracking tournament, uh, great tables, great, uh, really great um uh, sort of uh, scenery it was just uh, it was just really awesome there's a I put a photo up on my Facebook page and um, I've tagged in the, uh, the an answer to a question about uh, about the quality of the scenery um, it was made by a company but either way the, the in particular the Radagast uh, Roscoe Bell house is absolutely incredible and I was uh, sad to have not been able to play on that table but either way it was cracking uh, and I'm really glad that it was a great tournament for everyone involved uh, good fun night out and I had two plates of haggis which is the, about the minimum you can have, really, uh, in Scotland. Maybe next time I can squeeze in a bit more. Either way, it was fantastic. So uh, that's it for now. Uh, that's another episode of Entmoot uh, done and dusted. Uh, coming up, we still have War in Reading, uh, which will be very soon uh, as a podcast, um, possibly sooner than uh, than I think, because this uh, editing process is taking a lot longer. Um, going to take a lot longer. So, um, yes, yeah, so there's that. So that's exciting. War in Reading should be done in uh, the sort of second or third week of November hopefully by the 21st or 23rd or something like that. That's the weekend after it. And then after that, there's a bit of a gap um, where hopefully I'll be able to finish the um, second part of the Slow Grow League which I started ages ago and uh, a few episodes back and then we've got the end of the league uh, the this year's league so uh, Christmas going up to Stockport in about the 20, uh, 26th no uh, going at the 16th or something of December then we're having uh, great fun I'm going to have a uh, bring a nice thematic army lovely army that I'm planning to do a few special things with my display board hopefully if I could got time to do that um, to take to that tournament up in Stockport um, in Manchester so that's very exciting so that's all coming up and then it'll be the start of next year's league now next year's league it's all very exciting because I'm hoping um, I might not be able to go to the uh, the league opener which is in Cardiff this year but I'm certainly going to try my best um, and I'm also certainly going to try my best to get to the Masters event of the GBHL now there's not to be confused with the Articon Masters which is a different international thing but the top few players of the GBHL uh, get together and have a tournament and I understand they're allowing dweebs like myself into the mix for a special doubles tournament uh, sometime in the new year. So that should be probably the next episode after the Christmas one. And then I'll take a break, I think, and uh, I'll see you on the other side of Christmas uh, after a slow, uh, hopefully a, a little slow grow league drop in at some point soon. So all that coming up on the Entmoot podcast. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. And uh, don't forget to email in your answers to Riddle in the Dark. Uh, any questions about any lists? Any advice you want from someone who doesn't really have uh, doesn't doesn't really have any expertise in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but generally, um, entmootpodcast at gmail is the email address if you have any questions about anything really. Um, and. Boo-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra-ra